Well, good morning to all of you. It's good to be with you. Um, I was just reminiscing in my mind a few minutes ago as Beth was talking just about this one-year anniversary that's coming up. So my, <clears throat> excuse me, my role on the West Side is as administrative pastor, so I do a lot of things like Beth does. And so I was just remembering as she was talking about that, just walking through that process together of um, Emmanuel becoming Emmanuel. And it's just such a great blessing to, to be here and to kind of see the fruit of that and see you all here and what the Lord is doing in you. And so I just want to celebrate that um, as we get to worship together today. So thank you for, for having me. And I just look forward to um, opening the word together and seeing what the Lord has to say to us. So our passage for today is going to be from John 10, um, verses 22 to 30. So let's read together. And then we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into the text together. <clears throat> so at that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you. And you did not believe. The works that I do in the Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one will snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray. We come before you, Lord. We come to your word. And we just give it give you thanks for that for your word, Jesus. We thank you for your presence with us as well. We thank you for being our good shepherd, for guiding us as your sheep. And we ask now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to hear your voice, to hear what you're saying to us, God, and to help us to follow you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So up until this point in the book of John, there's been a lot of chatter going on about who Jesus really is. And there are people who, um, or many people who are divided on this this fact, like who is Jesus? There, There are some who feel sure they know who he is, and there are others who aren't sure. And so there's a lot of talk back and forth of, why is he doing this? What's he doing? Does he have a demon? No, maybe he's from God. We're not really sure what's happening here. And so when we get to this point um, in the in the book of John, what we see is kind of getting to the crux of the matter. So people, the Jews coming to Jesus and just asking him a straight question. But before we get to the question, let's kind of get into the context of the, of the passage a little bit. So what it tells us as we come into John 10, 22, is that, um, that Jesus is, is walking in the temple. He's walking in Solomon's portico, which is probably like a large space right outside of the temple. Um, that has like some kind of covering over it. And it's interesting that Jesus is here in this moment because this, this area is, will, become, will show up again in the book of Acts as a place where the early believers came to actually testify 
to who Jesus was as the Messiah. And so that's where Jesus is right now. Um, before that happens, walking through the portico um, during the festival of dedication. Now, for those of us who aren't Jews, we're like, what is the festival of dedication? And actually, we're familiar with it. It's called Hanukkah. Um, it's the time when the Jews would all come together and they would, um, they would celebrate the time when um, the Maccabeans had, had um, revolted against their Syrian captors the Syrian captors who came in and took over the temple and not only took it over, but set up their own gods in the Holy of Holies, a great affront to Yahweh and to his people, and who made sacrifices to this God within their temple, maybe even with unclean animals, another offense and affront to the people. Um, so this had happened back in like 160 BCE, so not, not that long ago, not too long before Jesus' time. And so these captors came in and they took over the temple and it was um, a major affront. And the people, the Jewish people rose up and said, no, this, this can't happen. This is our temple. This is meant for Yahweh, for our praise and worship of Yahweh. And so the Maccabeans led a revolt against the Syrians and drove them out. And so what happened after they drove them out of the temple and drove them out of the land is that they rededicated the temple to Yahweh. And that is where Hanukkah came from, was this rededication to say, no, the temple belongs to Yahweh. The temple belongs to the Jews. And so we're going to like, we, we need to rededicate it to the Lord. And so every year after that, they would come back to the temple in, in this festival of dedication to remind themselves of what had happened, of how they'd, they'd come together and, and brought the temple back to the Lord. So it doesn't seem surprising that it's in this context that the Jews would gather around Jesus during this festival and ask him this very pointed question about being the Messiah. Because what's in their mind, right? This has happened before, and now we're in similar circumstances. Because the reality is, is that they're not free. They are again under an oppressor, the oppression of Rome. They had their temple this time. Nobody's taken over the temple, but um, they're still not free to worship. They're still not free people. And so they're coming to Jesus and asking a very pointed statement. Are you going to do it again? Are you the Messiah? Are you going to set us free? And I love, I love that they ask this question, how long will you keep us in suspense? Isn't that a great question? Like we hear the chatter going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Who are you? Who are you? So why, why are you just going to keep us in suspense? Just tell us plainly. Tell us who you are. If you are the Messiah, then just tell us. Seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? Tell us who you are, and we will believe. This is the heart of the question that they're coming to him with. And yet, what we see from the text is that it's not that simple. Because what Jesus knows in this moment is that their question, while it, is, while it seems like an easy question, there's a lot underneath it, Right? that they've already decided within their minds and in their hearts what the Messiah is supposed to look like and what the Messiah is supposed to do for them. They're calling up these images of Judas Maccabee saying, that's what you're supposed to look like. You're supposed to drive out these Romans and, and make us free again, make, a, make our land free again. The, the Messiah is supposed to look like that, like a military leader. The Messiah is supposed to bring freedom from our oppressors. 
This is what happened before, so it's what should happen again. It's easy to kind of look back and go, this is how you showed up before, so surely you're going to do it the same way again, because that's what God wants for us, right? To be free, to worship freely, to not live under Rome. And yet, Jesus doesn't come right out and say, yes, I am the Messiah. Like, that would have been really easy for him to do, right? But he doesn't give them what they're asking for. And I wonder why. Wouldn't that have just been the easy thing to do? But I think he knows that um, what they already have in their mind, what they want from him, and what he's supposed to do for him, for them. But at the same time, while they're asking the right questions, maybe, the heart behind it may not be where it's supposed to be. What they're looking for is transactional. They want to have a transactional conversation with him. Tell us who you are, and then we know what to expect from you. And then in that way, much is required of you, Jesus, but not very much is required of us. We can just sort of show up, be here, and you're going to take care of it. And Jesus is saying, I think, there's more to it than that. That this is not just about some kind of transaction. But there's a, their, their hearts and their lives are at stake here. This is not so, so much about who is Jesus, but what is he wanting to do? What is he calling them to in this moment? And that it's not just about their external circumstances. Yes, they have an oppressor. Yes, Rome is occupying their land. And God cares about that. And yet there's more at stake than just that. It's not just about these, these, this moment that they're in. It's about, about something that's much deeper, something that's much bigger, something larger than that. It's not just about Rome, but it's about the rest of their lives on the earth and beyond. The eternal life is what he's talking to them about. And so as we come to this text today, I wonder if, if it's possible if we all can sort of relate to this moment that the Jews are having as they're approaching Jesus of coming to to Jesus and just looking for a straight answer. Can you think of that in your your life? Like, is there something that you're just like, can you just tell me, Lord? Like, I I just need to know. Like, this is one of those things that we've been going back and forth on for a long time now, and I just need to know. Can you just give me a straight answer? And even when we come with those questions sometimes, and there a lot of times are the, are, it's not that they're the wrong questions, but when we get to those places that Jesus says to us, yeah, there's something else here for you. There's something larger here. There's something bigger that I want to do beyond the immediate question and circumstance that you're coming to me with. I've got something else for you. I've had this moment happen in my life recently. So I'll give you a little backstory about about me. Um, my husband and I have uh, been married for 20 years now, um, and in that time, we've always felt called to be overseas missionaries. Um, and in 2012 and 2013, we spent ab- about almost a year in um, in England. And we thought at that time, like when we came back in 2013, we thought we're coming back to the states for a couple months, and then we're going to head back out. We're going back to England. Like that's where the Lord's calling us. And so we, um, so we came back, <clears throat> and through a series of events, like we were looking at different spots and like, how's, how's the Lord going to work this out? And for about two years, we prayed and we, we searched and we looked, 
and got to a place where it was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's just not happening. So we called, we just said, it's done. Um, and went into a really dark time because it was like, we just didn't make sense. Life didn't make sense during that time. And it was hard. And so we um, just continued on, um, being trying to be faithful, trying to do what the Lord was calling us to do. And yet at the same time, having these questions within us. Like, God, what, what are you up to? What's happening? So then in early 2020, it started coming back up again through a ser- series of conversations and prayers. Like, okay, maybe this is it. Like, maybe it's time for us to move toward England again. And so in March of 2020, do y'all remember March of 2020? <laughs> um, I had a phone conversation. I had a Zoom conversation with um, one of the bishops over in the Anglican Church in England. And we had a really great conversation about kind of what they were doing there and maybe how we could plug into it. I was in the middle of ordination at that time. And so I thought, man, maybe this is, was like the missing link, you know, was like that, like now I'm ordained. So that like kind of gives us a natural link into the Anglican church. Um, and so I remember saying on this Zoom call, it was a Friday in March of 2020. And I remember saying to, um, on the Zoom call, so yeah, my kids are going to be out of school for about two weeks. And like, we're not going to have church services for about two weeks. And, you know, we'll see what kind of happens with this COVID thing. And about 48 hours later, the world had shut down. To tell you, my conversations with the Lord during that time would probably not be fit to have in the pulpit. Um, I walked a lot in those early days of COVID, and I cried out to the Lord, like, I don't get it. I'm trying to be faithful. Who are you? (laughs) What are you calling me to? And it was, and again, it was very confusing. And so um, we went along, and a couple of months later, we had another conversation, and then right after that, England closed down again, and it was like, okay. And then other circumstances happened, and we just were like, all right, this is not the right timing yet again. And so in July of 2021, or in June of 2021, like about a year later, um, I went on a silent retreat for five days. Now, in the silent retreat, you get two hours of talking a day, one hour with the spiritual director on your own, and then one hour in, in like, mass um, with the rest of the community. And so I, that first day, I went in to sit with my spiritual director, and I told her, I was like, my question that I'm walking into this weekend with, this whole week with, is what happened to England? That's my question. And I want a straight answer from the Lord. <laughs> I think I deserve that, don't I? And so I walked in, and I told her that. I was like, here's my question. What happened to England? And she looked at me, and she said, I don't think you're meant to know that right now. She was a small woman very sweet woman, and I really wanted to punch her. I was like, what do you mean? I don't need to know that right now. That's my one question that I have for the Lord. And so I sat with her, and I sat with the Lord, and I felt the Lord starting to redirect me. And it's not that he didn't care about that question, but he wanted to do something else in my heart and in my life, and he did. He met me during that time. And we talked about trust, and we talked about surrender, and we talked about um, who he is, and that he is a God who waits on us as much as we wait on him. And just that picture of the Lord waiting for us to say yes to him, in kindness waiting, was something that I just needed to see. 
something that I didn't know about God that I needed to know on a deeper level. And so I walked out of there. Um, I walked out of that silent retreat, still not having my question answered, but having been met by the Lord in a very real kind of way. So I think what Jesus is getting at in this passage is that, like, here again, our questions are not bad, but they're also not transactional. But they're, it's about relationship with him. And I think that's why he goes back to this language of the sheep and the shepherd. That it's about knowing Jesus and being known by him. Like, that's what this is really all about. I mean, I think our our, our wide-range culture and then even, like, our church culture is, like, we're all looking for the it, right? If I can just figure out, like, the it, like, what is it? What is it that I'm meant to do in this life? What am I called to? What am I, um, what am I made for? And, again, those are not wrong questions. And yet I don't think they're complete, though, because it's about more than that. The question is not about what are we called to, it's who are, who are we called to. That we are called to Jesus, first and foremost. And then our doing comes out of that, but it has to be grounded in that sense of who he is and who we are in him. And so I think that's what he's getting to with this, this sheep and this shepherd language, to say that my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I think that's the heart of it. That it matters who Jesus is. It matters that he is the Messiah. And their questions are important. And yet what he's calling them to is this life with him. This life of hearing him and knowing him and following him. When it's all said and done, Jesus answers their question. At the very end, he says, the Father and I are one. That's not, the, what the, that's not the, the answer that they were expecting, though. But it's true. He says, the Father and I are one. And it blows all the categories. It blows all of their preconceived ideas about who Jesus is and who the Messiah is meant to be. And when you keep reading, what we see is that the Jews start to pick up stones and they're going to throw them at him and stone him. Because they're like, uh-uh, that's not, that's not what we had in mind. What you're saying is blasphemy. But what Jesus is trying to get them to see is that this is bigger than what they could ever imagine. What he's trying to get us to see is that this thing is bigger than what we can imagine. What God wants to do in your life and for you and with you is so much bigger than what our imagine, imaginations can get around. Because he wants us to be his people. He's calling us to himself to make us new, to make us free. It's not so much about what we do as much as, much as who we are and who he is in us. And Jesus is saying, I just want to break up that status quo. You know, I want to break up like those patterns that just like doing, like, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. You're like, why do I keep doing this? <laughs> And Jesus is saying, I want to break that up and bring healing and transformation in you. And the way that happens is that you come and you live with me and you walk with me and you follow me. I'm about to walk into a new season of life where 
I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm ending my role at Trinity at the end of this month. And I'm stepping into something new because I feel like that's what the Lord is calling me to do. But I don't feel like he's calling me to an it. What is it? Like I have some ideas, but that question is not quite as important as being called to him. My calling is to Jesus. To love him and to know him and to follow him. And I will live out my days trying to do that to the best of my ability. Because I want to know who he is. I want him to blow up my categories in such a way that my life has changed. That I'm different. And I pray that for you as well. So I wonder today, what questions are in your heart that you would love to just get a straight answer from God on? Things that just feel mysterious to you? that don't make sense, that you just want him to tell you plainly, like, just give me an answer, Lord. And I wonder if there's an invitation there for something deeper. Would you be willing to let God redirect you and to show you more of who he is? And I wonder what your response will be to him. Will you hold on to the ideas of who God is that you already have? Maybe it's the way that God's met you in the past and you kind of want to hold on to that. Um, or, who, or, or what he's supposed to be in your life. Or what your life is supposed to look like. Will you try to like grasp onto that like the Jews kind of grasped onto the, to the stones? Or will you let him kind of blow up your categories and show you something different, show you something deeper, more of who he is? He says to us, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So I pray that Jesus would meet us here in such a way that we might hear him and know him and follow him with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.